Hi everyone and welcome to Teeth and Tales. I'm your host Dr. Shadi Manicherry and today's episode is on composite bonding. You may have already heard of composite bonding and seen before and after cases on social media. It's a very very nice treatment to have and we can actually do quite a lot with it. We can do some clever things with composite in order to um, treat a variety of cases like spaces, um, discrepancies in shape and size and colour of teeth. And my guest today is the wonderful Dr. Ahmed who does a lot of composite bonding and we talk about the process, what composite bonding actually is and what kind of cases we can treat with it, if there are any risks associated with it, the maintenance that you need to consider and we go through step by step of what to expect if you are having composite bonding. I am so excited to announce that this episode is very kindly sponsored by Enlighten. You may have seen me rave about them on my social media channels. I always get so many questions about teeth whitening, which brand I recommend and how I personally whiten my teeth. And the answer to all those questions is Enlighten. What's really special about Enlighten is that they guarantee a B1 shade. For those of you that don't know, B1 is the brightest natural shade of teeth that we have. And the greatest thing is that there are no dietary or lifestyle changes with Enlighten. So you can continue to drink your coffee and still whiten your teeth, which was the big selling point for me personally. For more information about Enlighten, please check out my social media channels. And now without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hi, Dr. Ahmed. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. This is a very, very important topic, so I'm excited to be talking about it with you today. Uh, Before we get into that, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and how you got here, please? Sure. So um, I'm I'm a dentist uh, working in um, London, qualified in 2006 um, from Barts, London. Um, I worked in a general practice and NHS private practice for, for around 11 years. Um, and during this time, I did a few exams, my MFDS and then JDF. Um, in 2010, I started an MSc at the Eastman's um, in restorative dentistry. Um, and um, since then, I've just been doing a few courses here and there. Uh, and in 2018, I bought uh, my own practice. Mm-hmm. And here I am. And how have you found that transition going from a, uh, from a dentist to someone who owns their own um, practice, which is also a very demanding business orientated kind of job but at the same time you have to do this kind of very physically and mentally demanding uh, profession of dentistry. I think because I didn't jump into it straight away uh, the transition was um, okay for me and so I was um, I was an associate for quite a few years and I Mm. uh, and I and I gained a lot of experience there that I was I managed to take um, into into um, owning a practice. Of course, it is different owning a practice, um, but you adapt. You adapt well. Um, you learn every day. Um, 
and uh, as long as you're keen to learn um, then uh, you should be able to to get through those um, tough um, situations. Mm -hmm. And you have a few dentists in the family that you work very closely with. Would you say this helped you? I'm sure it did help, but did you find that it had positive, it had positive and negative aspects or was it mainly positive aspects? A bit of both, mainly positive. Um, so yeah, my partner's a dentist, uh, my sister-in-law's a dentist. Um, so the advantages is that you're not alone. You've got support. Um, if ever you need to get a second opinion, um, then there's always someone that, that you could that they could relate to you. We inspire each other. We um, definitely push each other um, forward. The downside, it's I guess it's just knowing when to not talk about mm. teeth. And mm. um, so when you want to come home, you need to know when to stop and. Uh, and just uh, have a life <laughs> yeah you need to make a conscious decision I think to stop I mean it's bad enough having lots of friends who are dentists but to actually live with dentists and things is, is an entirely different thing so I'm glad that the positives outweigh the negatives for you and I'm, sh I'm sure they're listening to the podcast <laughs> <laughs> Great. And we've had a lot of um, female guests on the podcast with young families, and we've talked about work-life balance with them and how they manage it. Uh, but it would be nice to know your, your view on this as well. How have you found balancing family life with work life? Um, yeah, it is, it is um, something that you need to make a constant, conscious decision to, um, to do, um, particularly during the, the lockdown and pandemic um where where um there was no schools um and and me and my partner we both work so um it wasn't possible that we we both go to work at the same time mm -hmm. um so i've you know taken a day off during the week to stay to stay with my kids uh, which is great because uh, I, I didn't get that opportunity before i was working five six days a week um um apart from that yeah we, we just dedicate uh, a day during the week particularly Sundays that we um that we spend together and um uh, spend some quality time together yeah yeah I think it's important to know that the good thing about dentistry it is very mentally and physically demanding as a career but you do have that option of say changing the number of days that you work or if you work a weekend instead of a weekday especially having your own practice it is flexible um so you can choose to dedicate as much Absolutely, time as you yeah. need to, to to your family life yeah absolutely I, I agree So let's talk about the topic, which is composite bonding. I know this is something you do a lot of and, and you are very, very good. So for patients who are listening, don't know, what would you say composite bonding is? I mean, I'm sure everyone's heard it, especially on Instagram and social media. Now there's a lot of these smile makeovers with composite bonding. But what would you say in simple terms composite bonding is? So composite bonding is a brilliant material that you can use to transform uh, someone's smile. It's a white filler material that we apply on to your natural tooth. Um, and we can do so many things with that, um, such as closing gaps and um, improving the shapes of teeth. But the great thing about composite is that it doesn't involve picking up the drill. It doesn't involve 
injection and also it can be done in a single visit and so that's why it's becoming so popular nowadays mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and in terms of the extent of the tooth that we cover we can be selective so depending on the presenting case whether it's edge bonding which is just it's quite self-explanatory it's on the edges of the teeth or whether it's a composite veneer that sits on the outer surface of the tooth um, would you say composite bonding is reversible so it depends how it's done. Um, so there are many dentists out there who offer this um, type of treatment, um, but it has to be done in such a way that it's adapting to the tooth really well. It's cleansable, i.e. you can clean between your teeth. Um, and so therefore you can maintain it over the years. Um, so in that in those cases yes it is reversible you can remove the composite if needed it can be touched up it can be polished um so yeah there are many advantages there yeah so we essentially bond it to the to the actual tooth so i think some people some patients ask if it can be removed and your natural tooth will stay unchanged underneath it's important to know that it's a very conservative treatment option very minimally invasive but in terms of removing the composite entirely and going back to square one with your teeth that's not entirely possible but but it's still um you know quite um a minimalist and conservative treatment. So we're not drilling teeth down as we would with mm -hmm. conventional porcelain veneers, for example. I think this is a yeah. big area of concern right now with everything we're seeing in terms of destructive dentistry that's gone quite viral on social media with shaving teeth down. It's good to know that composite bonding Absolutely. maintains the tooth underneath. Yeah, it's uh, interesting you mentioned porcelain veneers um, because nowadays you, people will have the composite bonding um, as a first option uh, and they use it as a blueprint for, for their porcelain veneers in the future. Um, so yeah, it's difficult to remove every single inch of the composite, um, but um, moving on to porcelain veneers is quite straightforward. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But not every patient needs to move on to it. That's just in case if they, if they need to, they can, yeah. It's, 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 it's an option, yeah. Yeah. So in terms of you mentioned briefly spacing and gaps between the teeth, what kind of cases would we treat with composite bonding? So closing gaps is uh, one option, one way of um, using this material and it works really well. You could improve the shape of a tooth. So some people are born with peg shaped um, incisors and um, you could build that tooth up and make it look like a natural um, uh, shape incisor by just using composite. Fractured teeth, it's the the best option to repair fractured teeth. The last thing you want to be doing is cutting that tooth even further for a porcelain veneer or a crown. So repairing with composite, it's, it, it's, it's the best option. To some extent, you could give the illusion that you've got straight teeth um, by adding a bit of composite, although it's not something we would do we'd usually want to straighten teeth first um, mm -hmm. so there are many options discolored teeth so if you've got a heavily discolored tooth that hasn't responded well to teeth whitening um, you could try and mask the composite it's not not, not easy um, but it but it but it can be done 
Mm-hmm. And in terms of strength of the composite, how strong would you say it is? Because a lot of people who have their, say, front teeth restored with these composites want to know whether these are going to be strong and durable enough to kind of withstand the forces when they eat and that kind of thing. Would you say composite is quite strong and durable? As long as it's placed correctly and there is space for this material in the mouth, then yes, you can eat um, uh, as you'd normally do um, and they shouldn't break. But there are certain things that you may want to try and avoid just to be on the safe side. So I tell my patients, um, for example, if you're going to have an apple, Mm. cut the apple as opposed to biting into it. Try and avoid chewing into, you know, I don't know, like a toffee or anything hard, um, just to be on the safe side. Yeah, I agree. I think I always say, I always mention crunchy bread and sandwiches and things. If you can try and avoid them, but they are good. That's quite a strong material. Um, but this brings us nicely onto the next point, which is the maintenance that we need to do with these these kind of materials. What kind of maintenance do you usually advise your patients that these these restorations will need? So two things uh, we would that I would uh, mention to my patients is staining and chipping. So things that can cause composites to stain are usually the same things that we would see um, stain your your natural tooth. So tea, coffee, red wine. Um, but composites can be polished, um, and that's one of the good things about them. As for chipping. Um, that uh, that they also can be repaired as well quite easily. So those are the two things that I would I would warn my patients of. Yeah, I think with composite, it's important for patients to know that it actually gets physically bonded to the tooth. So although it chips and breaks over time, um, it is something that we can fix quite easily. So we don't need to redo the whole thing if it chips. We can just add a little bit on um, as and where we need to. But in terms of replacing it, would you say composite needs to be replaced every so often? Or I'll tell my patients at the five-year mark, you may want to have them replaced if um, it's becoming very hard to polish them back to how they were mm. um, or if they keep on chipping then um, yeah you may want to have in place at the five-year mark and most patients are happy with that yeah and in, in your experience is that something that pretty much needs to be done every five years so say you've been practicing now for some time but do you do you see your own patients say that you've done composite bonding for some years ago do you replace those every five years or so no, no, it, it doesn't. It doesn't happen um, often, and we've seen cases that stay for for many years, into you know eight, nine, ten years. Um, well, I don't see the patients come back until until that time. So yeah, it doesn't mean after five years that you yeah. have to replace them. If they're okay, then yeah, you're happy to um, to keep them. Yeah, I think it's important to know that it could happen. It's not necessarily going to be the case, but I think as long as patients are prepared for that, then they they know what to look out for. Some some cases might be absolutely fine at the five year marks, and some might need to be replaced even earlier. Actually, depending on lifestyle habits, dietary habits, and how people take care of their teeth, I think that's important to know as well. Absolutely, yeah.
would you say there are limitations to composite? So it's it's a very useful and handy material, but everything has its limitations. So what would you say would be the limitations of composite bonding? So the limitations is the strength um, for someone who grinds their teeth very heavily at night. Um, you may find that they will start chipping more often. I mentioned earlier, if there's a heavily discolored tooth, um, it may be difficult to mask it. Um, um, and just having space to place this material. Um, so if you don't have the space, you don't want to be bulking out a tooth with composite because mm. it's not going to look very nice. Um, and the whole point is we don't want to drill teeth. So if you're going to end up drilling teeth to allow room to add your composite, you may as well go and do your porcelain Mm. Uh, veneers instead so having the space and um, it's yeah it's all about case selection isn't it yeah because that you know with composite it is an additive thing so it's something we're adding on to mm. a tooth we're not drilling teeth away and that's one of the good things about it um but again it's important to know that it kind of bulks out the tooth so if you have small teeth and you want to build them up that's great that's ideal mm. but if you have quite large prominent teeth that might not be the best option um we touched briefly on porcelain veneers. What, what's your opinion on porcelain veneers and what do you tell patients about it? Because it's something that is becoming trendy after composite. I think that's one of the trendy things now as well, isn't it? Yeah, we get asked a lot and it's been in the press as well. Um, so porcelain veneers is also a great material and uh, we also use this for certain cases. So um, you briefly mentioned if your teeth are small um, and you want to bulk out. So that's that's also a case for porcelain veneers because you can make veneers um, without drilling your teeth. They're called uh, no prep veneers. Mm. So if your teeth are small, you've got spaces, um, you can just have porcelain veneers without drilling your teeth. Um, and the advantage of them is that they don't stay and they don't, um, and they're less likely to chip. Okay, although they can, they can, fracture porcelain is a you know brittle material slightly stronger than composite but we do tend to find that porcelain veneers will stay um, a bit longer so i would tell my patients around the 10-year mark um, is what you would expect from a porcelain veneer mm. um, and composite uh, around the five-year mark yeah so i think these uh, no prep veneers or minimal prep veneers are quite popular as well after composite because um they're fairly conservative. We're seeing a lot of work with destructive dentistry with teeth being drilled down and, and there is a certain maintenance that's associated with that. But I think with these um, no prep veneers or minimal prep veneers, we can do quite a lot and they actually look very, very good. And as you mentioned, they don't stain as much and they are quite strong and durable. So they can look very good if done right. What kind of uh, treatments would you say go hand in hand with composite bonding? Is it something that is usually done alone or is there um, certain things that you would do surrounding that to prepare the teeth or to get the best outcome? So first and foremost is get your gums and teeth healthy um, because the success of your composites will definitely depend on having healthy gums. Uh, and healthy teeth so you know see your dentist have x-rays done and um, see your hygienist every six months make sure your gums are healthy 
The most common procedure that we have nowadays in our practice is um, the ABC smile, the align bleach bond. Um, so before we place the composite, we would like to get teeth in, a, in the most ideal position, uh, which is basically straight. Um, so patients will, may have a course of Invisalign. Um, it may take about six months. In some cases, you can straighten your teeth in about three months, depending on how crowded your teeth are, um, which means that um, the composite placement will be very minimal. They'll be easier to maintain. Um, and uh, you'll get some really good results. Um, and I mentioned uh, the whitening. So yeah, you'd have um, some teeth whitening before the composites because you can't whiten composites. So if you are going to whiten your teeth, then this is, this is the best time to do it. It's um, just before you do your composite bonding. Yeah, and then that way we can match the shade of the composite to, to the brightest teeth. I think often patients, what they're most concerned about is that they don't want these super white, super fake looking teeth. But, you know, with whitening, it's something that your teeth will have natural limits beyond which they won't whiten. So I think ideally we would get them as white as they can be and then match the composite to, to that um, and if, if, again, patients want to whiten their teeth after they've had composite, it's a difficult thing to do because obviously the composite won't whiten. So those will probably need to be replaced. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it will lift um, a shade or two because composites, as we mentioned, can pick up stains. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it may bleach those stains off. But yeah, uh, it won't go lighter than its original shade. So what, what do you do for your patients who want to have composite bonding? Do you go straight to bonding or do you do trial smiles? Do you do um, build-ups using the laboratory, like wax build-ups and go from there? What, what's your usual protocol? Uh, my protocol would be to take um, a photo first. Um, I'll then transfer it onto my iPad while the patient is there. And then I'll get my pen out and we start drawing. Um, how we could improve the shape of the teeth um, with composite bonding. If it's requiring um, a big change, so we're going to be changing the length, the width, um, the shape, then a trial smile is, um, I find, very useful. So I would take a scan of the teeth or um, some dentists will take impressions um, and the lab will then do a mock-up. So they'll um, print out the models of their teeth. They will then um, do a wax-up, either digital or the analog method, and produce a, a template on how um, we can improve the smile. So then we'll then use this to transfer it into the patient's mouth. And, and this is a, um, a really good step that patients can, can actually experience what they could uh, be having before the actual day of their composite bonding so they can actually see how it will look in their mouth um, and it usually and it most of the time patients get really motivated and they get really excited um, and they you know they say yeah when can I start so yeah we do the trial smile and if it's all good um, I would then um, use that um, trial smile the uh, the wax up 
um, as a guide to um, place my composites. So we can use it to guide us to how how um, how 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 long to make your our composites, and then the rest will do it freehand. As for simple cases, um, I would do it freehand, um, and we we usually get good results with that as well. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned there is no drilling of the teeth, and usually no injections. But what 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 would you say patients should expect when having composite bonding? If you're having multiple teeth um, and um, you're going to be in the chair for around two, three hours, sometimes I give the option to the patient if they want to be numbed up um, because we place a rubber dam on the tooth, which is like a rubber sheet, um, and it allows us to isolate the teeth so we can get a very good bond to their natural teeth. Uh, so that sometimes can get a bit uncomfortable. So um, we sometimes give anesthetic. Um, we also do sandblasting, which is a process where we roughen the surface. Uh, pain is completely, you know, you know, a painless procedure. And that allows us to uh, bond the composite onto the natural tooth and get a very good, you know, bond strength. So those are the kind of things I'll tell my patients um, what to expect. Yeah, you mentioned rubber dam and it's something that I think patients find quite interesting and actually scary. It's something that I um have bad memories of from dental school but could you just tell us a little bit more about what rubber dam is it's, it's a very important part when doing composite but just from a patient point of view what should they expect from a rubber dam so what they'll expect is they'll have a, a square rubber sheet um placed um just over their mouth now when we do composite bonding we're going to be working on usually the front anterior teeth um, so you're not going to have something going inside your mouth. It's, it's, it's quite superficial. Um, but yeah, you're, you're, you're going to be able to breathe normally. Um, it's going to allow you to move, close, move your tongue around without you touching the, comp uh, the teeth that we're going to be doing the composites on. And um, so it's actually more comfortable for the patient. Um, but most importantly, the composites are going to work really, really well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they're going to be stuck onto the toothpaste composite is is a resin essentially, and it's hydrophilic, so it doesn't like water. So that's why we put the rubber sheet on. Some some people, uh, some dentists I know, uh, explain it as a little raincoat for the mouth. Um, I just call it a mini operating mm -hmm. sheet for the teeth. Uh, but it's it's really good. I think once patients get over that initial shock or fear of what it could be, they actually find it comfortable because you know it's. That everything is confined and if we drop anything it's gonna it's not gonna go down the airway or or um... yeah some some dentists will use the um the optra gate um and i actually find that patients find it more uncomfortable because after a while um it pushes because it pushes on the inside of the lip for you know an hour or two it gets quite uncomfortable um but the rubber dam doesn't doesn't do that and, and patients um, never complain about it. Thank you so much, Dr. Ahmed, for joining me today. It's been really a wonderful chat. Thank you for the information. It's a very popular treatment and I hope patients have now have a better idea of what they could expect. Thank you and thank you for having me on. I really hope you've enjoyed this episode and hopefully found it helpful if you are considering having composite bonding. Remember to please speak to your dentist if you are considering having this treatment done for individual assessment.
As always, I would love to know what you thought of this episode. So feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at Dr. Shadi Manicheri. There will be a new episode every week. So please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to never miss an episode. And I can't wait to speak to you soon.
I would love to know what you thought of this episode, so feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at Dr. Shadi Manucheri. There will be a new episode every week, so please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to never miss an episode, and I can't wait to speak to you soon.